Welcome to another episode of Make Shit Happen. Today's episode is with our special guest, none other than Layla Hormersey. Layla, only a short six years ago, started her first business on a whim with zero experience. Over the last six years, she has started and scaled four eight-figure businesses. Most known in this room are Gym Launch and Acquisition.com. Layla and her husband, Alex Hormozzi, have done over $130 million in direct sales and now have divested their interest in those companies to focus full-time on their investment company, Acquisition.com, which currently exceeds over $140 million in revenue across the companies. Layla is known for her expertise in scaling companies through creating rock-solid culture, talent acquisition, and customer success. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Well, uh, welcome to another episode. Today's guest is none other than the amazing Layla Hormozzi. Layla, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate you having me here. No, no worries. What about to you at the moment? Uh, I'm in uh, Lake Tahoe, California, actually. So it's uh, Lake not Tahoe, as California. Hot as, yeah, it's not as hot yeah, as awesome. well. Yeah, no, they've never, never been. How, uh, how, how old is it at the moment? How hot is it? Yeah. Uh, it's not bad. It's like 80 here. It's cool. We come here because it's not as hot. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. You need to come to Australia. We were just talking before. Um, hey, you've never been. Where's yeah. you know, it's over here. We'll get out there one day for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we just can fly private. I'm sure that'd be okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm not that. I'm not that fancy. <laughs> <laughs> So when you guys fly, do you, do you guys fly around much or do you kind of stay where you are at the moment? No, we travel like probably every week right now. Yeah. Okay. Is that just in, in America or do you go to other countries? No, we don't really go to other countries right now. You know, we, uh, sold majority of our, you know, a share in gym launch about 10 months ago now. And yeah. so we bring acquisition.com and it's no less work to build a company the fourth time than the first time. So. You know, yeah. <laughs> I prefer not to be inundated on a plane as long as possible. Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to start today's interview, just kind of going back to your uh, earlier stages in the infancy of the business. Um, so I thought I'd start off just asking about you and Alex. How did you and Alex meet and how, how did the, I guess, the relationship kind of form between you two? Yeah, I'll give you the accelerated story. Um, you know, Alex and I met on Bumble, um, just which is like a dating app. And, um, you know, it was for, we were meeting just cause like, a, you know, to go on a date, but we honestly just had so much in common in terms of like our goals, our ambitions, like our careers, um, that we ended up working together about five weeks later. So it was not <laughs> traditional, uh, but we just have like a really unique relationship. Um, we're great business partners and we're also great husband and wife. And so it works super well for us. Not common. I don't recommend it for everyone. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, like it just, it worked really well for us. And I think if anything, the two kind of help each other, like learning how to be a better wife always helps me also learn how to be a better business partner. Learning how to be a better business partner also always helps me be a better wife. So, I mean, it's just been awesome, honestly. Because you guys didn't, did you start off dating before the business or was it business first and then dating? It was just both at the same time. So oh, both at the same time. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like I said, we met on Bumble and then, you know, essentially it was kind of like, we realized that we had this click in terms of, we had complementary skill sets. We had similar missions, similar values, similar things for what we want in our lives. And, you know, Alex kind of broached it. He's like, I mean, why wouldn't we just, he's like, I really want to start a business. I don't want to do these things I'm currently doing. What if we did it together? And I was like, because I was looking to start a business and I was telling him I wasn't sure which one I was picking. And he was like, well, what if we just sit down together instead? And I was kind of like, that sounds absurd. I just met you. <laughs> like this guy <laughs> from the internet. Um, but, you know, given a few weeks, it, it wasn't that absurd. You know, I'm young. I don't have much to lose. So I'm kind of like, whatever. Like, what's the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario is I end up at my dad's house, like on the couch for a few weeks. But I'm like between trying to figure out where I'm going to go live because, you know, essentially we got rid of both of our places in order to like travel to start gym launch. Um, and I didn't think that was that bad. So I decided to take the risk. And so did he. And it ended up working out for the best. I mean, it was really hard. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think both of us are not afraid of hard work. So it worked out. Yeah, definitely. Because I've watched a few of the episodes um, with you and Alex, and he did touch base on, I guess, when he started gym launch, that he was essentially sleeping in the gym um, and on the ground for there for quite a while. Did you? No, no. That was when he started his gyms, which was about five years prior to gym launch. So Alex had a chain of, he had six gyms of his own before we met. And so he ended up selling all of those before we started gym launch. Right. Okay. That was before gym launch. Gotcha. Yeah. So what was your, what was your day-to-day like? Like run me through your day-to-day with gym launch. How, how, what did that look like? And how did you guys start that business? Yeah. I mean, I guess the question is, do you mean day-to-day like in the beginning or yeah. as one? In the, in the infancy stage of the business. Yeah. I mean, listen, in the beginning of any business, I think that, and I think a lot of people get this wrong, which is they think like, what's the job of CEO or of a founder? And the job is just to continuously be chasing the constraint and solving for the constraint of the business. And so it's the same in the beginning as it is at the end. The issue is at the beginning, you're not just solving the problem. You're also the one going in and tactically fixing the problem. You don't just strategically solve it. You also tactically solve it. So in the beginning, it's observing strategically and then going in and tactically solving. So it's like, you know, if marketing's not optimized, dive in, go fix that. If sales is not optimized, dive in, go fix that. If it's customer success. And the thing is that the bottleneck continues to move. So it might be marketing and then it, you fix marketing, it moves to sales. And then you fix sales, it moves to customer success. And you fix customer success, it moves to product. It moves from product to finance and backend. And it moves from finance and backend all the way back to marketing. And so I think in the beginning, it's a lot of constant iteration. And what like my CFO likes to say, like working in concentric circles, which is, just continuously going in that circle, fixing and fixing. And every time you go along that circle, it levels up a little bit. In the beginning, it's really hard because it's just you. And so in those early days, that was what it was. I mean, it's really being a firefighter. It's really just doing everything, learning enough about every role needed in the business that you could fix it yourself. Uh, That's really what's required. You have to be the ultimate generalist of a business when you're first starting it. It doesn't turn out that way. Ultimately, you get to specialize a little bit more. But in the beginning, it's really just being the ultimate generalist and really a firefighter for that business. Yeah, definitely. That, that's fantastic. And do you think like for a lot of people that are starting businesses, obviously, as you said, they're wearing a lot of different hats and they're having to put fires out in marketing, fires out in sales. Um, at what point did you look at, okay, we need to get people on for these specific roles, do these specific tasks, because I don't have the time to be focusing on the most important thing, which should be say sales and marketing. Yeah. I mean, you obviously need to be profitable um, and you need to be able to discern whether you not doing that task anymore, can it 
either one, free your time up enough so that you can go generate more revenue doing something else? Or can you bring someone in who can literally generate revenue in that position, which would be probably sales or marketing, or it could be customer success in terms of like retaining customers and lifetime value. So I would say that you're either solving for taking away the waste that you're doing that's not generating revenue, or you're solving by bringing other people in who can generate revenue that's not just you. And so you really just focus on one of those two things. And it's really just segmenting it by how much time it takes for you. You know, like some people, I know founders that they come in to acquisition.com and, you know, they're doing all of their P&Ls and they're, you know, a year and a half into the business and they're still literally making every P&L. Imagine how much time it takes to actually do all of that, you know? And I'm like, dude, you have this sales and marketing engine that's working. We need to take you out of here immediately because there's so much that you could optimize over here and you can make a million dollars like that if you just had a few more hours a week of attention. And so I think it's also looking at the opportunity cost of your time being Mm. spent on those menial tasks when it could be elsewhere. And you would know if there's a high opportunity cost if things are working, right? Like if you have traction in your business, you are selling something that people want to buy, there is a high likelihood that you should be bringing other people in to do those menial tasks. Because if you spend just 10 hours more per week on that revenue generating activities, you can go from one to three million so much faster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people do struggle with that to to see that opportunity cost to go, well, I'm spending, you know, two, three hours a day on this one specific task when really I don't need to be doing it because this sales and marketing over here is already firing off and, and it's making me money. I should be getting someone else to be doing this instead. Um, I do think a lot of people do struggle to see that. So that, that is very important. Um, when, when you obviously had Jim launch and you were growing this business and you guys were blowing it up, at what point did you guys kind of see, um, I guess the penny drop and go, oh shit, this is actually becoming, you know, a massive success. Like what, 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 when was the turning point for you guys with gym launch? You know, I'll be honest. I don't think either me or Alex have an easy time seeing if we're successful. Like, (laughs) I don't think, I think we're both like pretty, our goals are so big that like we have a hard time seeing it. It was when outside people, we got invited to this mastermind. We were doing like 400 grand a month and it was the two of us plus like one EA. And, you know, everyone was doing extremely well. Like it was a lot of success. Tons of everyone that joined the program was like making so much money. I mean, it was great. And we went to this mastermind where everyone was doing like eight or nine figures. And we were just doing like, I think we were on pace for like 7 million a year that year. Um, and, you know, everyone kind of looked at us as we got up and did this presentation on the business. And they were like, do you guys even have any idea of what you, what you have your hands on? We were like, what are you talking about? And they were like, you have the perfect partnership with the perfect skill set, with the perfect amount of industry knowledge at the perfect time. And you need to capitalize on it. And we were like, what? And, you know, it's just because we didn't have the knowledge to understand that, that, it's not normally that easy. And so I think a lot of the times what I realize now is that when you see a good opportunity, a big way that you can spot it is that people are able to make a lot of money pretty easily with little effort. Um, and they can actually like, they're actually enjoying themselves and like, they're like, business is great and fun. That's because they've stumbled in somehow to an opportunity or like a timing in the market or it's advantageous for them. So once people pointed that out to us, like outside mentors, that was when it clicked for me because seeing all these people who were making so much more money, had so much more experience, Saying that, I was like, shit, are we actually doing something right? You know, because I just have no idea. When you're in the beginning and you're just starting out, you have no idea if what you're doing is right. You're like, you have no idea how bad or how good it could be. And so I think it's really hard because you don't have that context to compare anything. And so that was how I felt. And once I had outside eyes that kind of gave me that perspective, that was when we were like, we need to go all in on this and blow this thing up because 
it has the ability to be a big thing, which, which it obviously turned into um, because of the timing and because of like the expertise both of us have being in fitness our whole lives and then our complementary skill sets as co-founders. Yeah, wow. That, that's, that's pretty incredible. When it comes to, I guess, the Gym Launch product, can you walk through to the listeners uh, what the Gym Launch product was and how you came about the idea? Yeah. Um, honestly, we just built the thing that we had already been doing. So Alex and I, what we used to do is we used to fly out to gyms. Uh, so like I'd be in Hawaii, he'd be in Washington, and we would each be at a gym. And what we would do is we would run their marketing and then we would do the sales in their gym. And then we would let them keep the customer. And so that was how we did it. And essentially what we did is we decided to just package that up and say, let's just teach them how to do it because flying out and people, it was just insanely operationally messy and not a fun time at all. And so we just took that, packaged it and showed people how to do it. And so the reason that worked so well, Sam, is because at that time, Facebook had such an arbitrage, like we were getting 50 cent leads, like highly qualified leads that that they're willing to pay $500. I mean, that's insane. And so can you imagine like- a gym owner who on average at that point in time in 2016, their average income was $18,000 a year. And they would make an extra $30,000 on average in their first month with us. Because we had, what we had cracked is we cracked Facebook marketing for gym owners before anybody else did. That's really what happened. And then tons of people came in after that, copied us, iterated on all that stuff. But like, that's really what we did. And that's why people saw such great results is, we were able to get them upfront cash and they're used to burning cash for two months to get a customer and then hoping that they can keep that customer on the back end, which, you know, sidebar, most gyms don't keep a customer after two or three months. Most customers leave at month three for a gym. And so they're not recouping their cash at the beginning. They're not recouping down the back end. We were able to get them all that cash up front and then even teach them how to keep them longer. So it was just, it was, there's no way that you can have that much success without it being a win for your customers. And that's why it worked so well. It was just an absolute win for them. Yeah, wow, it's incredible. And um, with with this service that you're offering, well, how much were you charging for it? Uh, sixteen thousand dollars. Sixteen thousand dollars. And were you helping them through? Was it like one on one group sessions, online course? Like, how were you helping the client? Yeah, I think that a lot of people think, oh, it was just you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Jim Loft was like an info business, and I always get like kind of slightly offended because I'm like, we had like a fifty person. <laughs> yeah, I know we had like a combined. 50 person tech, media buying and coaching team. And so those, that's what they did is wow. really, we have an onboarding team that onboards the clients, gets all their tech set up, launches all their ads for them, gets their whole like media setup done. And then they move over to the coach and the coach is going to teach them how to sell, how to retain the client and how to keep everything tight on the back end. And then eventually they're going to teach them how to build the team so that they can pass it off to them and they don't have to keep doing it. And so really what it looks like is, you know, when that person comes in, they have an onboarding team, They've got a dedicated tech lead. Um, they have a dedicated coach. And then every single person is responsible for a certain part of that customer's journey, whether it be making sure they have all the tech set up and all the media is running correctly. So like their ads are not messed up, which is super common. A lot of people don't have an easy time setting up Facebook and Instagram ads. The second is the coach strategically guiding them through what they need to do next. And then, you know, customer success, who's always making sure that they're holding them accountable and they're on track to reaching their goals, right? Because we always want to take into account what that customer specific goals are because success to Susie is not the same as success to Bob over here. Bob wants to make mm. 20 grand a month. Susie maybe just wants to have time freedom. She's like, I don't even care if I make more money. I just don't want to be in my gym every day. And so we always have to meet the customer where they're at. And I think what a lot of people go wrong, Sam, is they try to fit the customer into their product rather than thinking of ways that they can fit 
the product to their customer. And that's really when you unlock growth for yourself because people want pro- products and programs that are catered to their goals, not to just like a cookie cutter thing. And that's what I think we did really well because we had a great team that was able to do it. So what, one question I'll ask you because you just um, made me fire off and think of something. Wayne, and you made a great point of, you know, catering your, how do you cater your product or service to your client's needs? Because they're all, every single one of them is different as, as they are. But when it comes to your marketing, right, how do you make people feel like you're talking to them when every single person's got a different need and want for a particular product or service? I mean, I think that's why it's so much more important to focus on being, you know, Disney rather than Mickey Mouse. Like Mickey Mouse is one person. The only people that are going to buy from Mickey Mouse are people that look and talk like Mickey Mouse. But if you have Disney and you have a whole suite of characters, then it's like one of those is most likely going to resonate with that one customer. And so that's what we noticed at Gym Launch. That's something that we promote in a lot of our portfolio companies, which is like diversity in terms of their marketing, right? Like what personas are best in terms of clientele? So looking through your current clientele and saying, who are my best clients? And then Typically, you'll find that there's probably around three different archetypes of clients. And then what you want to do is reverse engineer how you can get more of them, which is what is their story, right? What do they look like? What are their stories? Where do they live? Like in terms of platforms. And then I would make marketing theater towards that. So if I know that as a gym, as at gym launch, say that we did best with married couples who lived in like suburb, suburban towns, then I'm going to make, I'm going to take testimonials from my married couples in suburban towns and I'm going to run those ads because I'm going to get more of those people. And so I think it's if you can reverse engineer your best customers and then create marketing around it, you're going to have way more success than if you just like cast a huge wide net and then just like cross your fingers and hope that you get the best ones. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a great way of thinking. That, that's fantastic. When, when it comes to, I guess, when you guys started the first business and then you've also got acquisition.com now um, that you guys are absolutely killing it in. What do you think was the biggest change in your mindset between this business and the business that you're currently running now and just where you're at, generally speaking, with yourself and Alex? Where do you see your mindset change between back then to now? Yeah, Um, I think general overall is that work is no longer stressful for me. Like I've just decided that work cannot mean stress. And I think a lot of people in the beginning, you associate it with it because you worry about like, what you're going to lose if you don't do it correctly, what you're going to lose if you lose your business. And I think for me, confronting all of those fears has been what's allowed me to move so much faster with so much less stress in acquisition.com. Like I'm building this thing 50 times faster than I built Gym Launch, 50 times better <laughs> with 50 times more quality everything. Um, yeah. And it's only because I have such more clear thinking because I've learned that like I've gone through all the like worst case, the COVID, the terminations, the layoffs, like all the huge mistakes I made in gym launch. You know what you realize is that at the end of the freaking day, you're still here. Like business is a game we choose to play. And so I'm only doing it now because I'm like, I want to do this. And I wanted to do it then as well. But for some reason, a lot of business owners in the beginning were like, well, I have to, I have to. It's probably because you're trying to prove something to yourself and to other people. But I think over time, realizing that that mentality was going to keep me stuck at a level. Like I was like, I'm not going to go past a hundred million if I stay there. Because like, I'm just going to get so stressed. I'm going to like ultimately like combust because you just get to a point where like that doesn't serve you anymore. And so in acquisition.com, it's really just like understanding that I choose to do this. And even if there's days where things are hard or stressful, like it's still a choice to move forward. And I think that when you have that autonomy over your own goals, you have a different perspective in terms of how you view them and how you're able to do things because 
you realize that nobody's forcing you but yourself. And at the end of the day, like these are first world problems when you yeah. know, you're not get customers or like your LTV isn't as high as you want it. Like, geez, like there's way bigger problems in the universe. And so I'm more so grateful for the problems that we have in the business now. And I'm grateful for the stress, stress that work springs. And I think having that mindset is just something that has served me a lot better in acquisition.com. And I think I'll pair it with being much more clear about who I want to be and where I want to take this business because gym launch was more of an accident. You know, it was like, you're poor. Let's not be poor anymore. This is a vehicle not to be poor anymore. And then, you know, you learn how to build a good business along the way. And like, you obviously want to help people and have an impact. And I was very passionate about it for a good period of time. Um, but it wasn't aligned with who I really want to be because I always felt like my vision was a little bigger than I felt like gym launch could take it. Um, and I feel like now we've built a vehicle in which I can see my personal dreams and visions of myself and my life, the impact I want to have on the world being accomplished through this mission. And so even if it's just as hard to build this business, it will feel 10 times easier because I know it's taking me to a place I want to go rather than having yeah. my ladder up a wall to a place I don't want to go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, yeah, that's amazing. When it, when, it, when it comes to, I guess, where you spend your time and who you spend your time with, um, again, like when um, yourself, Layla and Alex, uh, some of the interviews that I've watched, um, you guys talked about how you know, you didn't really go out much. You didn't really go out to bars or nightclubs or really socialize like I guess the normal person does. Um, you guys kind of really just honed in and focused on the business and that was really all you cared about and focused on for quite a long period of time. Um, you know, fast forward to today at the moment, you know, who do you, who do you spend most of your time with at the moment and what does, I guess, your your socializing in your life look like now compared to back when you had gym launch and you know, are you still doing the same thing in today's mom in today? Yeah. I mean, listen, I've never been like a nightclub, you know, go out person. Uh, <laughs> as you, you know, even before we met, that was just not my thing. Um, but in terms of like us now, I think both of us like we're much more social um, and we do have friends. But the caveat is this, which is I don't hang around people who don't inspire me in one way, shape or form. Like if mm. I am hanging out with people, they have to be people who, whether it's business wise, whether it's their character whether it's, you know, uh, generous they are, like there has to be something about that person that I admire. And so I think yeah. I realized that even, in, you know, when we were building gym launch, there would be people that we would hang out with and they were making a lot of money, but I didn't admire them in any way. In fact, I didn't admire the way they made money because even the way someone makes money, if someone makes money in a way that's kind of gross and uh, not ethical or aligned with my ethics, then it's not someone I really want to associate with. And so I try to surround myself with people who think really big, who have big dreams and goals, who aren't afraid to talk about like, you know, I'm sitting with a couple of friends right now and like, we're all talking about like how we're going to hit a billion. And like, none of us are, yeah, it's not wow. like a conversation. It's not like a conversation where you're like, oh, that's like so impossible. Or like, that's weird that they're saying that. It's like every single person here believes they're going to get there. And I believe they're going to get there. And so like, I want to hang around people that don't think that that's weird. And I think that I did tolerate more of that with gym launches, more people who were small-minded. A lot of people who said, oh, you just you got really lucky with gym launch. Like, they're just not going to find that luck again. And I was kind of like, for yourself, I didn't, this luck was created and you can create it all over yeah. again and I've, uh, multiple times. And I think that that's a really limiting factor and limiting belief that a lot of people have. It's just like, you know, you got lucky and you're not going to be able to recreate it. And so I just don't want to associate with people like that. So it's being social, but being selective with the people that you hang out with. Like, are these people making me better? Are they adding value to my life? Are they helping mm -hmm. me have this ultimate life vision? 
Just like you wouldn't be with a spouse who would deter you from that vision, why would you be with friends that would deter you from that vision? I, I would Absolutely. not. Absolutely. And I think that there's a saying I heard um, not too while ago that said, you know, the, the, the more harder working I become, the luckier I get. And I, I think it just comes down to, you know, aligning yourself and putting yourself in the right path to come across the right opportunities. And because like you see a lot of people and, you know, I'm guilty of it too myself where you had a long-term friend since, you know, school, high school, whatever, and, you know, you're focusing on your business and your mission and you still aren't ready to cut that person off, even though they don't inspire you or they don't align with where you're wanting to go. It's some people do really struggle with actually cutting that person off that they do need to cut off in order to, you know, break that barrier and get to the next level. Yeah. It's a common problem. Uh, yeah. So a lot of the viewers that watch this have either just started their business or they're in the infancy of it. You know, what would be your best advice for people if you go back to your gym launch days, uh, that have just started and they're, they're trying to break that six, seven figure barrier. Like how would you go about going from a five to a six to a seven figure business if you're starting off? Yeah, I think that the formula is that in the very beginning, you iterate a lot and you iterate very quickly. Like until you have made enough sales to support, like be enough supporting evidence that your product has product market fit, you're constantly changing, right? You're constantly changing the, the product, the business model, the fit. You know, and that's at a very low level. You know, that's before you're at six figures. Um, then when you're at around, you know, six figures and you're, you're on your way to seven, then it's all about not changing anything. Because what happens often is honestly, entrepreneurs are really great at making dramatic changes and pivots. And that's then what prevents them from getting to the next level. And so, I mean, I was on literally two calls today where I just had to tell them to stop trying to change things. I can tell you, I have some of the smartest, most talented people that we have in our portfolio. And the only reason that they would ever fail is because they would overcompensate by changing too much. And that's typically the pattern that entrepreneurs have is that they don't believe or they don't know how to make incremental changes. They only have seen results from making large changes. They saw results when they maybe quit their job and started this business and had some sales, right? They saw results when they made a big pivot. They haven't yet given themselves the chance to see results from making incremental changes, changing your sales script, coaching your sales team, making a tiny tweak to your marketing funnel, adding one question to qualify a customer. Like those are the things that literally are going to take someone from six to seven and then from seven to eight. And it's just that most people swing big every time and then that's their whole life. They just keep swinging big and staying at six figures, seven figures. They never get anywhere else. But what you have to learn is that the swing, the big swing only needs to happen every few years. In the beginning, you've got to swing big for like until you get product market fit. Once you get product market fit, don't swing big. Like you've got to resist. You've got to hold back. You've got to focus on incremental changes. And that's just where most people can't do it because they have this urge. They feel anxious by not taking a huge action. They just don't want to sit yeah. there all day and think about the thing that's bothering them. So they're like, no, I need to go do this thing. I'm like, no, you don't. You have an urge because you feel anxious. This doesn't have anything to do with the business. It has to do with you. And so it's really growing as an entrepreneur is being able to recognize you have to be able to sit in that discomfort and make small changes when you want to make big ones because the big ones are probably not what's going to drive your business forward once you've got product market fit. Yeah, wow. That's a, yeah, that's a lot to take on. So when you're talking about the six and seven feet gap, what would you say is the, I guess, the incremental difference between making six or seven figures? 
I mean, it's honestly going to be different in every business because like software is very different than service, for example. But sure. look at six and seven figures in general. You know, people that are at six figures, I mean, you can do that by yourself. You don't really need a team to do that. In fact, most people that I know that are at six figures, pretty much them with like maybe one to two people helping them um, versus people who are at seven figures, you know, they're doing a million a year or a million plus, you know, they have to have usually around maybe five, six, even up to 10 people that are helping them get there. And so yeah. a lot of the time where people won't make the jump is they just don't, they have these really weird beliefs around people. Like they're like, nobody can do it as good as me. Of course not. Don't expect anybody to. Um, yeah. And then they're like, you know, I can't find anyone good. Of course not. You don't have the skill of finding anyone good. You've never invested in the skill of learning how to recruit, right? Like they, they have all these beliefs that are just skill sets they haven't accessed yet. They're not even beliefs. It's just like, you just don't have the skill. And so I think that it's, if you're able to break past that and develop healthy beliefs about hiring people, bringing them on to help you, expanding your team so you can take on more revenue generating activities, you're able to break past that barrier. That a lot of people get stuck there, and then they just say, "Oh, this thing doesn't work. People suck. I'm going to go start a new business." And now I have five businesses, all doing six to maybe like nine hundred grand a year. And I see that all the time. Sam, I mean, I talk to entrepreneurs all day who have like six businesses doing a million a year, and they just like, I don't know why I can't get past it. And I'm like, I mean, it's basically just you. It makes sense to me. Like it's you and six businesses. <laughs> You're the right one, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that, that's pretty incredible. And I do see that a lot with people I talk to as well. Um, but I wanted to wrap up today's interview, just asking you one more question again, for the people that, that watch this, um, again, they are the infancy of their businesses starting from scratch and they want to learn, I guess, how to make shit happen in, in what they're doing. Um, if you had to start acquisition.com again, and you gave yourself a 30 day launch period to launch acquisition.com how would you go about doing that i think with any business in the very beginning you have to do it all yourself so you know despite having the resources that we have and all that we still start acquisition.com with basically just the two of us and that was not even that long ago and i would do it like that all again because in the beginning it doesn't make sense to take on the risk of other people it doesn't make sense to take on the extra overhead it makes sense to take on and incur the cost of your time and so if you can understand that that's what's probably best for the business and best for you to understand what works for the market, then I think you need to take it all on your shoulders. I mean, the beginning of acquisition.com, you know, doing marketing, sales, fulfillment, backend, like everything. And that's with the resources. And that's just because I think that's good, healthy business practice. And so I would say, spend the time to figure out the product market fit yourself before you decide to scale and bring on overhead people, incur the responsibility of building a team. Um, and I guess with that is, you know, you have to be willing to sacrifice for your goals in terms of there's no way that one human can constantly be growing in er any area of life. So if you want to grow a business, you are going to have to sacrifice in certain other areas of life for a short period of time in order to get it off the ground. And I think that um, I've just never seen it happen any other way. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Layla. That was very insightful. And I really do appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, Sam. Absolutely. We need to do this again. We need to, uh, need to get you time to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Great.